Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 655 with our review of Minari. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, we are talking about a film that's coming to, like, I guess it's technically a new streaming platform. Um, A24 uh, basically set up a thing they're calling the A24 Screening Room, and they're selling tickets right now for their virtual screening of Minari. So if you're listening to this right now, you probably might have a few days left to be able to go stream this. (laughs) I don't know um, when it's coming to more broader platforms, but this is something that is available to everybody right now, unless it continues to sell out as it has been for multiple screenings. Luckily, it does seem that they've been adding second screenings for a lot of nights. Hmm. Um, it seems like I've, it used to be only like the 4 p.m. Pacific screenings, and then I started seeing a lot of 6 p.m. screenings and stuff like that. So it seems like they're uh, it's doing well enough for them that they're letting more people in. But uh, yeah, Stephen, how was your experience with uh, the, the digital screening room um, compared to everything else we've been doing? I mean, I felt like after Sundance, especially, I was an expert in using these things, so I wasn't even worried. Like, I knew the drill. I knew I was going to have my iPad, have it plugged in so it doesn't fall asleep, airplay it to the Apple TV. We're going to be fine. Um, I did. We we were texting before because their language was a bit ambiguous about what the window entails. That's always a problem, right? Like, yeah, they'll always say you have a window of viewing the movie, in, in our case, from 4 p.m. Pacific to 8 p.m. Pacific. Um, and then it, it's never clear if that means, like, if I watch the movie, but the movie's two hours long, what happens if I pause it at, like, you know, 9 p.m. Pacific? Is it going to not let me unpause it, right? Is it going to lock me out because I'm yeah. technically outside the window? Um, and that becomes the terrifying thing. So I I watched the movie at, like, 5 or 5.30. Like, I, I tried to be cautious, but not overly cautious. Um and yeah, it, it was fine. No hiccups, no anything as far as I remember. The only weird thing is airplaying it. There are three sections. There's like the before intro to the movie, there's the movie, and then there's the Q&A. And every time a section shifted, then airplay stopped, and I had to like go and airplay again and make it work. So that was kind of annoying. But otherwise, I was yeah. fine. They, they seem to have it as three completely distinct files or something. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it was a little weird. For me, I ended up just watching it on uh, my computer monitor, um, but luckily I have like a big, crazy ultra-wide, um, super ultra-wide monitor, so it was like, it actually was a decent size and everything, um, but I was just waiting for some potential messages to come that might have had to make me pause in the middle of it, um, so that's where I ended up doing it, but but yeah, it, like the service seemed to work fine in the browser, um, so I'm I hope that this is something they continue to do for any... Yeah. you know, big or surprise releases that are coming out because it was a super convenient way to know that, like, hey, there's a tweet, click a link, you're buying tickets, and you're just good to go. No. I mean, it was it region locked to the U.S.? Is that the only th- issue that I it might have been? Was, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so far, so far, good experience with their screen room, so hopefully it continues. Yeah, I just want them to make an Apple TV app. I want all of these things to be native on my Apple TV. That's my one demand. Sundance now makes me think everyone should be able to do it. Like, it can't be that hard if you already have the app software. Like, all you have to do is be able to scroll through these listings and click play. So I I don't know why everybody can't just natively support it and get over the old, like, AirPlay thing. Did you, when you, um, with, because I ended up doing more AirPlay than actual native app on the Apple TV just because I was 
you could basically I had logged in to my Apple TV uh, at home <laughs> and for part of the festival I wasn't at home and mm-hmm. you can only you can only log into one device period apparently um, so it was like once I had logged into the one Apple TV I couldn't log out and log back into another one um, so I was kind of stuck but it definitely seemed like the sorting was super wonky for Sundance. Like you, yeah. it didn't seem intelligently sorted to me. Like I wish there was just like a calendar view. Like give me a TV guide view. Like it's <laughs> right. Yeah, we have the technology. <laughs> but anyways, people aren't here to listen to our thoughts on TV guide interview interfaces. Yeah, so they're here to hear me rant about how Tiff supposedly did have an app, but it was geoblocked for Canada. And VPNs apparently can't make you trick it into thinking your Apple TV can download Canada apps. <laughs> but but Stephen, we were we were in Canada, so it wouldn't have been an yep. issue for us. No, I know. It's just like a friend of mine said that it was a problem. Yeah, I feel sorry for your friend. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anyways, Stephen, what do you say we get into our review of Minari? Let's do it. All right, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Minari, and then we're going to come back and give you that review. What a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. If you're here with us for the first time, please stand. What a beautiful family. Glad you're here. How's your daddy like that new farm? He drawing things good, doing things right. Yes. 미국 애들은 할머니랑 같이 방 쓰는 거 싫어한다던데. I don't like grandma. 걔는 안 그래요. 한국 애니까. Grandma smells like Korea. 야, 뭐라고? Grandma smell? <웃음> 우리 여기 있다가 망할 거야. 애들을 위해서라도 한번더 생각해 볼수 있잖아. 애들도 한 번쯤 아빠가 뭔가 해내는 거 봐야 될거 아니야. <웃음> We need to find water somewhere. If that soil ain't wet, we're gonna lose the crop. So that was a trailer for Minari. And uh, basically, there's a story of a Korean family who moves from California to settle down in Arkansas, where uh, they try to build a little farm and sort of make their life there. Uh, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Minari? Um, I thought this movie was lovely. It, what's interesting to me is this movie is doing a bunch of things that other films have definitely done before, like their own genre. Like it is clearly kind of... Coming of age is maybe the wrong word because the kid doesn't even come of age, but it is like a reflection <laughs> of childhood. Um, you know, seeing life 
seeing the life of parents through the eyes of the kid, like I think of, uh, you know, the tree of life or wildlife, for instance. Um, and then it also is kind of like a sweeping story of America. And I think of Terrence Malick in general here of kind of like a lot of like tenderness and views of like the land and of people like being a family. And the, the, like it has these things that there are clear emotional arcs that it could follow that would easily be the this is a great Sundance movie made Stephen cry, you know, B plus, A minus type of situation. But unlike what it could have done, it it chooses to be very unique and like not march to that mold in the ways you would have expected. Um, I feel like this is a movie that it manages to be very, very heartfelt while also being very, very, very specific and kind of resisting a lot of the normal emotional moments that you would have expected a film like this to give you. Um, I feel like that's exemplified by what I think is the most important relationship in the movie, which is between the grandmother and David. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in most movies about this, the tenderness would come kind of immediately. You know, grandparent would reflect someone who's like, you know, she cares about you. She sees you. She understands you. You form a special bond. The kid is in love with her. And then there would be all, you know, the waterworks would start if anything happens to either party. Um, this movie starts with David, like, not wanting anything to do with his grandmother. <laughs> he, he is a dick to his grandmother. Um, and and also for context, like, the grandmother has been living back in Korea. And and mm -hmm. so he doesn't know of her as, like, a human on the earth. It's just some right. lady shows up, um, and he's being told that's his grandmother. And he's like, this is a stranger. I don't want any business with her. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so, like, the movie, at least for a while, shows him resisting her affections. And she also is not the model grandmother like cookie cutter style you know like she like curses at the kids and she teaches them to play like card games and she makes them bring her mountain dew like it, it, importantly she wears men's underwear yes <laughs> uh she talks about his ding dong in the presence of other people which is understood to not be a thing that you know that that's in the grandma grandkid circle of trust usually um yeah. but the way she behaves, like, I, I think the actress who plays her, uh, Yoon Yoo Jung, is, like, fantastic in this movie because she is playing a 100% believable, lovable character who is, like, entirely herself. Like, she doesn't act at all the way I would have expected her to act, but you feel affection for her and you see how that relationship between her and the grandson form. And I think the whole movie does this, you know, like... This is a movie that is kind of about, like, father-child, and the father wants to save the family and build something for himself. But at the same time, Steven Yeun, while being really charming and likable in moments, is also not charming at all in other moments. Like, he screams at his wife, and he's, like, very single-minded, and he makes decisions that are not great for the family repeatedly. Um, and just over and over, I feel like there are things that could have been could have made this feel like an art house project that doesn't have the emotional beats, but it only made me care for it more because it felt specific enough that it had to be a person's memory. Like if not, if not the director's actual story, at least like an amalgam of stories that he knows and like real people that he's met in his life being turned into characters. Um, 
and like an interesting example of this is Will Patton shows up as a like very charismatic Christian dude who lives next door doing an impression of the stapler guy from Office Space. Exactly. Yeah, he is like fucking weird, right? Like he is very strange, and yet like there's a warmth to the strangeness because he's like an authentically strange guy who wants to help anyway. And yeah, I don't like. I can only assume authenticity, right? Like, like this is very much an immigrant story. Uh, the fact that it's in mostly Korean, but also English is kind of the first giveaway. But then also everything about the concept of the movie of like, like the, what the grandmother represents is kind of partly the immigrant struggle, right? Between, you know, where you come from and what you don't want to give up, but then also where you are now and wanting to fit into that. Um, like, I can only assume this is authentic because I don't actually know anything about what being in the 80s as a Korean immigrant in Arkansas would have felt like. Yeah. Um, but it just rings very, very, very truthfully. Like, it, it feels so specific, all the little details of how the family interact, the, you know, the things they do when they choose to use English versus Korean, uh, different American products that they start to use, you know, all of it. I just I really really liked it because I felt like it was very very specific and authentic um, and yeah I found it moving even if it wasn't like a story I could 100% relate to it just it felt like a real story and I liked that a lot. I, I do have a question for you on the American products. There's that scene where David is is talking to Grandma about Mountain Dew and he and he says something like it's water from um, from the mountain and then says Dad right. says it's good for me. Was that him mm -hmm. telling a fib to grandma or does he actually believe it's good for you water? I think he's lying to grandma. That was, okay. that, that was the, the way I took it. <laughs> okay, cool. It did, it did make me laugh though. Also, yeah. man, those classic Mountain Dew bottles, like just, just seeing that was, was, was kind of cool. Mm. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, I, I really like this film. Um, uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I'm glad that you brought up wildlife because I was definitely getting some like extremely wildlife vibes from this film. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot similar to sort of the, I think the experience um, of the both fathers in the films, um, just that need to be able to do something and provide, um, but also wanting to do something that you feel good about, that you think you're good at, and that like you kind of have your own idea of like how to be a man and be somebody who can provide their own way in life. Um, I think that for me, you were a little bit more hot on wildlife than I was. I had sort of a problem with um, not the structure of the film, but I was sort of angered by, you know, that film is this family relationship told through the eyes of this old enough boy to get it and understand it. But he's way too young to be forced to take care of his parents in this way and sort of be involved in their back and forth. This film sort of fixes that by having the kids be too young to really fully get like they know when when mommy and daddy are fighting but they don't have any context for the meaning behind the fight and what they're going through so it's not like kids being forced to grow up it's a child being allowed to stay young and it's like him experience the child experiencing the life that he's living at the same time that the parents are experiencing their struggles and they're not forced to be brought into those sort of like squabbles between the parents. Um, but yeah, I, I just found this like an interesting, it's a very slow and deliberate film. Um, you talked about like this having to be true and it is at least partially based on uh, Lee Isaac Chung's life. Um, and it's, you can tell 
you can tell that this this is an authentic story just because of how slow and deliberate it is. Like there is so much specificity in like what is happening scene to scene, these little bits of information. And this isn't a film that is big on the setup. Like we literally join the family as they're driving into the lot that they've purchased in Arkansas. And they're like, and this is our home now. And you don't really at the time you have no idea where they came from or what they left. You pick up little beats from their conversations with other people, like as they go to work at the chicken sexing <laughs> farm, whatever yeah. they're called. Um, like you, you get through their interactions with other people, the backstory that you need to have the context for what the experience is that they're currently doing. And I just really found, I found that, that it's an interesting slow paced film that is still captivating, but there's not a lot happening. You're just watching a person who has had a life that you haven't been watching, who has decided I want to leave California and I just want to have a farm and I want to make my living farming and just call it a day, work for myself, still be able to provide for the family. I can buy a bunch of land in Arkansas for cheap as hell. Um, and, and I'll just do this. And it's like, you realize over time the stress that puts on the wife and her feelings and her disconnection from everything. And it's just kind of just a, it's an interesting look at the dynamics of a couple, the dynamics of a person trying to make their way in America in the eighties. And it's just, I just found it. I just found that aspect nice and enjoyable. But I think really, as you said, like David and the grandma are like fucking a plus, like, like, the, like there's so many times in this film that I was just laughing at, at, at yeah. David's response to anything really. And then just when the, when the grandma shows up and how she starts playing just that little like tug of war between them as they sort of go on, it just like, you can't, you can't not enjoy any moment. The two of them are on screen, whether alone or together. Um, and I just, I just found that like incredibly fun. Like even, Half of the reason why I wanted to see the Q&A was to watch them interact <laughs> in, in that. Um, but yeah, I, I like you can't I don't think anybody could watch this film and not be drawn in by at least the two of those. Like even if you don't care about the story and you're not interested in watching this family trying to live in the middle of Arkansas and change from whatever they gave up before to the life that they're starting to build there, even without if you don't aren't interested in that at all there is still just such fun dynamics between um, the children and the grandmother that's like worth the price of admission. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. And I do think man, when, when I said, I thought of wildlife, I wasn't even thinking about the fire aspect too. <laughs> like there's, there's even motifs that uh, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, it, it's not a spoiler if I don't say any more than that. Um, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I think, like, again, the, the family drama piece, I think, is really interesting. What elevates this beyond just a charming movie about, you know, kid and grandmother and kind of how that represents the immigrant experience for them, um, like, is that it, there is a family drama being told here, but it's being told in a very, we get, like, little little windows into what is happening. Like, the movie will just delve into, like, a specific argument or a very specific, like, event that the kid sees, and then it'll just check back in later. And, like, the the pacing of the movie, the chronology of it, everything is, like, it, it is not told in a kind of traditional family drama where you're going to slowly feel more and more strain between them and then ultimately something erupts. It It, it is much more, like ambient than that in, in a way that I thought was really interesting and it makes it so when big things do happen like let, let's say a big argument or 
Stephen Yeun saying something to his wife or vice versa that seems like a really like top shelf thing that just like happens in the middle of a heated exchange. Um, it, it, it's so like jarring that it, it worked on me better than if it were going for melodrama. Like, like I feel like because it zooms into all these little moments and it gets them all right, when it does have big searing dramatic moments, it still feels very real to me in a way that like, I don't know how to put my finger on it. I just like when, things happen in the third act of this movie that normally would be like the really, really moving moment where you know exactly how to feel. I felt much more intrigued and kind of tickled than I expected. Like, like I just felt like this was a movie that knew what it wanted to put me through and where it wanted me to land was not just crying. Like it wanted me to land in a more contemplative place. And I thought yeah. that was really, really interesting. Yeah. One of the things I'm um, just going back again that, that I really, really liked is the way we find out how the wife is experiencing this transition is through kind of other, like obviously they have arguments about it, but this isn't like not to go back to other films from the festival that I didn't like too much, but like in world to come, right? Like mm -hmm. the framing of that film is diary entries where a woman is telling you how she feels and saying like, I'm, I don't like this. My husband is doing this and things aren't working, blah, 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 blah. In this, like one of the, what, in one of the scenes, like what, a scene that I really, really enjoyed was when, when the grandmother first arrives and she just brings things from Korea, like just spices mm -hmm. and like different food items. Up too. Yeah. yeah. Like just seeing her get that, like you, you, you realize in that moment, like how lonely she is, not just because like they're living isolated on this little farm where like the closest hospital is, is hours away or whatever it is. It's just that sense of home that she is getting. Like, she was living in California before, so it wasn't like, <laughs> like it wasn't like it was, it was exactly Korea, but like the, the, it's, she has this sense of what you are bringing me is the most important thing in the world for me in this moment, because this is something that is so far away from me. And it just, it makes me feel at home and we're together now and you brought this stuff and like, we're going to cook this and be like super stoked. And this is going to be awesome. And it's just like, you really get, how lonesome she is and what she's giving up. Cause like when she first, when everybody first arrives, like she's, she's, she's upset at the condition of the house that they bought, <laughs> but, yeah. but like they're saying words like we agree, this is a new start for us. Like you don't know that like she didn't fully participate in this decision. <laughs> you, you, you start with like, okay, I get it. The house isn't so great, but maybe everything else would be fine. Um, but you really get like her sense of loneliness in that scene. So I, I really appreciated that one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I really like that too. That to me was the, the moment when her character really opens up, which is, I think how the movie wants it to be, because again, you know, when mommy and daddy are fighting, you don't know everything that's going on. And so we mostly don't get to see the why behind how she's feeling. Yeah. But I, I feel like so much is told in that, like, because it isn't just, the you know getting a little taste of home but it's also being near her grandmother and like the subtle relationship that they have together and all of that kind of combines in that scene in a way that i thought was really powerful isn't the word it just like it it, it was so like dense like like it communicated a lot in just a few seconds yeah and and likewise too with like the when the grandmother comes into town in other films like maybe pieces of a woman <laughs> the mother's job is to convince her daughter that uh the man is not good enough for her <laughs> right but when the grandma arrives here it's not about like how did you let yourself get trapped in this situation or anything like that it's just about i'm here to help out with the kids 
how can I make little David love me? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think, and uh, like, I, I don't want to make many comparisons between this and The Farewell because other than being about like Asian immigrants, I think they're actually very different in what they're trying to communicate. Uh, but what they do have in common is a kick-ass actress playing the grandmother character. And yeah. I feel like uh, Soonja maybe supplants Nai Nai for me now as being <laughs> my favorite my, my favorite grandmother character. Um, because she just is so... Like, she isn't just feisty. She, like, she is steering the kids in a good direction while also being completely herself. And she's doing the same thing with her own daughter, too. Like, yeah. she she just is, like, very opinionated, but also gentle and loving in a way that I thought was really sweet. It, it was it was kind of funny. In, in the Q&A, she was asked about, like, how she chose to play that role. And she was like, she was like, I just asked, am I supposed to be your grandma or just any grandma? And <laughs> And he was like... It doesn't have to be exactly like my grandma. She's like, cool, I'll just do the grandma the way that I want. <laughs> so I was, just, I was just stoked to see that, like, she still had that fun, that whatever she was doing in the movie seems to be, like, at least from the one question she was asked during the Q&A, like, really seemed like her. Yeah, my my understanding, too, is that this was like a pretty well-known television actress in Korea for a long time. So this might be one of those, like, you know, late life turns where she's maybe playing off more too of what she was known as before that we don't really get. Oh, like, yeah. like this is like someone letting loose and really having fun uh, gotcha. in a way that, you, you know, the, the good version of uh, Robert De Niro in Dirty Grandpa. <laughs> 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 I'm glad to know there's a good version. <laughs> yeah. I will say this movie... Again, as long as we're comparing to Sundance movies we didn't like, um, <laughs> compared to a movie like Land, which tried to talk about like the hazards of you know weather and the difficulty of growing things and how hard it could be to live in isolation, this movie. Whoa, whoa, I'm whoa, not going to say, <laughs> Stephen. Outside of the current climate of the United States at this moment, clearly. <laughs> That section of the country is nothing like the section of the country that she was stuck in in land. I mean, <laughs> sure. No, no. Yeah, no, no, of course. But what, what they had in common was the how a little thing. I don't want to spoil this movie, so I don't want to say, but there are things in this movie, like natural yeah. events that happen that it is not violent and it shouldn't be tear jerking or anything. But the moment they transpired, my heart just sank <laughs> because I had become so invested in how important, you know, how important everything is in order to making yeah. the farm like operate correctly. Uh, and that is kind of what land didn't do for me, even when it brought a fucking bear in. <laughs> it, yeah. it, just didn't, <laughs> it didn't have the same resonance. So I, I will say I, once again, I won't continue to explain what you're talking about. But since we're on this subject, um, there's an event that happens towards the end of this film, which seems to be sort of a memory wipe for everybody's current emotional state. And the film transitions into the closing of the film, right? And I think I was, if I'm honest, I was a little jarred by the way in which that resolves all of the questions that are in the air at that moment. And nobody actually addresses. <laughs> it's like it's like it makes everybody forget all of their concerns, which may be the exact point it's trying to do. Um, but as a person who 
in my head is always yelling at the screen, just tell people what you mean. It, I, I'm always like, I, I, I wonder how they arrive, like the emotional state they're, they are, they're at when the credits roll. I have to take for granted that the emotional state has been reached, right? I, there's not a clear path to, in my head, between the events that transpire and where everybody's at. And I, and I think yeah. that, like, it, I, it didn't take away from my enjoyment of the film at all. It was just one of those things where I was like, oh, man, it's over. <laughs> like, right? Like, yeah, I, I mean, the, mo the movie definitely could have kept going. Um, what I think is, like, elegant about it is the, the event that you're talking about, what it forces all the characters to confront and what they are doing literally in the scene and then how that changes over the course of a few minutes and how it reflects their broader priorities and everything. Like, like I feel like it becomes a kind of like very condensed version of them realizing what matters to each yeah. other in a way that I thought was like, like I like, I like the fact that it was all reflected in that one moment rather than being drawn out into like, and this is what I think, and this is how I'm changing my mind. Yeah, no, no and, and I don't, I don't think that some, a character needs to say that, but I guess for me, there's a scene other, earlier in the film um, where, where a character makes a statement that either this can happen or this can happen. And I think when the ending events begin to transpire, I can see how this could happen instead of that could happen. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I hear you. Um, I, I do want to say too, I like, I know it's obvious because it's the title of the film, but I, I do like the metaphor of the uh, Minari, like the, the, the thing that can adapt and grow pretty much anywhere uh, and still, you know, retain its own flavor and everything. And then yeah. comparing that to, crops that are like so carefully invested in certain hopes and outcomes and everything like 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 i thought that was a really elegant metaphor for you know the experience of the characters and then also maybe like how rigid their priorities should be versus being more like the grandmother and just kind of you know rolling rolling with life and you know continuing yeah. to have your own spark so i i like that um i i will say too also that uh you talked about how this film isn't a film that is like it, it's a it's a sort of a more subtle film. It's not a film that's trying to make you cry. Um, it's not a film yeah. that's about that sort of thing. I definitely did tear up a tiny bit when David runs. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> which I just whatever reason it was like that might have been that, that might as well have been like Rudy catching a football like. <laughs> <laughs> all i'll say is i still didn't know how sad this movie was gonna get <laughs> so <laughs> i i had i was cautiously emotional in that scene but i didn't know if it was about to hit me with uh, a double whammy oh yeah yeah, yeah true it, it is sort of it is prepping you for waterworks but it for me it was yeah. like a triumphant like tearing up right it wasn't it wasn't a sadness tearing up it was like fucking run <laughs> <laughs> It is such a so I I didn't actually watch the Q and A like I, I saw it buffer but I, I forget we had to we had to pick up dinner I think afterwards or something uh, the kid has clearly grown a bit since the film the movie was filmed um, 
I don't know at that age how much of this is a kid acting versus him just being an adorable kid that is being coached to move in the right direction. Yeah. Because, like, the the way that he runs and the way that he says things, you know, like, like I'm not pretty, I'm good looking. Like, <laughs> He's just so cute. I love I love David, yeah. and I-, I don't know if that means he's a great child actor or just the director is like phenomenal with kids. But man, good kid. Yeah, he he was the intro to the movie. Like intro- like welcome to my movie. I'm in this movie. It's great. Um, and then in yeah. the Q and A, he just had like this red blazer on, and he just looked so badass. Like he just looked so confident. Like I remember when, when we went to Tribeca and we saw all the small all the small yeah. all. All these small moments. All these small moments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like the one kid in the Q and A, like, like he he was he wasn't even a kid. He was like a high schooler, right? But like his friends were just in the audience, and he walked home from. The yeah. And it's like he didn't <laughs> get it that he was in a movie that was at Tribeca. Like he like this kid looked just like thirty times more confident and just be like, I look like a million bucks right now. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining because I didn't see the Q&A that, like, he's probably only aged, like, a year and a half or whatever since this movie was filmed. But, like, in the film, he's an adorable little kid. And in the Q&A, he's, like, Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> he's, like, talking about his next project. <laughs> I mean, might as well be. I, I mean, I hope he should be in everything, for sure. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, <laughs> any last thoughts on uh, Minari, Steven? Um, no, I think it's great and sweet and everybody should check it out. <laughs> now, don't get ahead of yourself, Stephen. <laughs> we don't want to spoil the verdicts for everybody. So let's do that now. Stephen Miller, if you're going to give us a must-see, record with the caveat, wait for until pass with the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, I'm giving it a must-see. I think this is a sweet uh, film that is both like a very Americana coming-of-age story, but then also a very specific movie that like kind of refuses to give you all the easy emotional beats and i think it it makes it it is not challenging in the sense that it's like difficult to watch at all but it is a movie that i think is it's taking you somewhere and it it, like it's filling a two-hour runtime with a ton of very 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 specific scenarios and letting you kind of infer the relationship aspects. And I think it's doing it in a beautiful way where you will walk away feeling like you understand this family, but you won't have just seen like a, you know, Hallmark card type of movie. Like, like, like I think this is a really good drama that isn't misery porn, but also isn't just pure sweetness. Like it does, it does a good job of balancing both of those. And yeah, I think everybody should check it out. Yeah, that's a must see for me as well. Um, I I I really enjoyed it, and I thought it was kind of a it's a it's a beautiful story, but it's also a very simple story, and it's also a hilarious story when you factor in the child and the grandmother. <laughs> um, but yeah, everybody should check it out. And and if if I play my cards right <laughs> and I actually edit and release this soon enough, you can probably still get tickets from a twenty four's virtual screening website that they've set up. So. There's that. If if it's not up soon enough and you don't get to see it, I'm sorry. <laughs> it'll it'll be it'll be released soon enough. <laughs> but yeah, that's gonna do it for this review of Minari. Uh, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. 
People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash warning, or Instagram.com slash warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Minari, so hopefully you were enjoying that. And, uh, yeah, that's this review. And, uh, there may be some stuff in the feed later. I mean, there'll eventually be stuff in the feeds later, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, in the meantime, here, let me pour you a glass of Mountain Dew. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye.